you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join us every week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. This is a daily podcast covering the World Series champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Reen Fiends. Solo for a quick sec. We did a Locker Room live chat last night. That will be the bulk of today or all of today's episode. We talked about Edwin Rios. We talked about Matt Beatty. We talked about Gavin Lux. Uh, we talked about maybe the upcoming plans for the Dodgers at Dodgers Stadium. So that's all we're going to get into. It was locker room chat, so let's get right into it. We were saying on today's episode, when, when the Dodgers are losing, you look forward to an off day to kind of reset. But when they're playing well, it's like, why do we got to have an off day? But I think it's probably still still for the best for, for the team anyway. Uh, with all the injuries and everything, they could probably use these off days. So. Hey, Justin, I, uh, I saw you were cheating on us last night going on somebody else's locker room. What's the deal with that, man? Justin Hicken is supposed to be a Locked On Dodgers exclusive. Yeah, you guys know you're always my first choice, but uh, you guys didn't have anything last night. So scrolling through Twitter and some people were talking Dodgers and I hopped in. But yeah, Jeff, I respect you, you were also in the room. so I was there too to for say. a few minutes, yeah, <laughs> just, uh, just until Vince was ready for us to record our podcast. But yeah, you know, it's always fun to hear people talking Dodgers. Don't uh, worry, I, we weren't really offended. I, I, I figure, you know, I can only – only you guys can only put up with so much of me that I have to, I have to look for other outlets as well to, you know. To... I thought it would be funny, Justin. I just removed you a speaker right in mid sentence just to illustrate your point that we can only handle so much of you. That was a joke, but it, but you know it, it worked too. It landed. <laughs> Hope that makes the podcast tomorrow. All right, here, here I got a couple couple takes that I know Jeff isn't gonna love, but um... let's hear it. So a couple of first one, um, I was complaining. I was a little bit frustrated uh, during a win, uh, which is, you know, not super uncommon for me. But the the other night, uh, you know, with the 13 run lead game, I wasn't so much frustrated that Kershaw was pulled. I agree with that. I agree for all the reasons. I was a little bit more frustrated at what seemed to be just kind of the a little bit of a flippant, complete change of the guard. Like we're getting everybody off their feet. I, I feel like that should be something that should be a little bit staggered. Like, okay, we're, we're, we're getting this guy out of here. And now we made it through the sixth and we're going to kind of reassess how things look. Okay. Now we can afford to get one more guy out of there, that type of thing. Because all of a sudden, I mean, you're lucky, I guess that the angels did the same thing, but all of a sudden you were in a position where it's like, okay, we, we have some questionable bats left and, you know, maybe not as questionable defense, but right. That the, the Austin Barnes error led to a lot of those runs and really your only parachute in that situation is using your good bullpen arms. And it, it kind of had to come to that. And so I just wish it would have been staggered a little bit more. 
the the other uh parachute that they had was that they started with a 13 run lead uh you know like i if it had been a seven run lead i would agree with you um but a 13 run lead is literally no team has ever in the history of baseball blown a 13 run lead and so and then you say it's lucky that the angels did the same thing too well it's not luck the dodgers knew the angels had done that you know so in fact i think trout came out of the game before mookie did uh and so it's like, uh, yeah, for for me, that was such a fluke that the Angels even got within three runs. And so for everything to go so fluky and so wrong, and the Dodgers still won the game easily, uh, it kind of goes to, to show why no team has ever blown a 13-run lead. Yeah, you, you could do everything wrong and still win when you start off up 13-1 to or 14-1 to or whatever. You know, I, ne- I was never a fan of the line changes back in 2018 when they used to literally take out the whole half the lineup uh, when the, when the handedness of the pitcher changed. Uh, yeah. In the moment, it, it didn't really feel like a thing and probably still in the moment it doesn't feel like a thing, but uh, I would say in a game like that, it's kind of it, that specific situation for that specific game. It was kind of a weird uh, thing where you kind of want to leave these guys in cause they're doing well and they haven't been doing well. And maybe, you know, they're seeing something that they hadn't seen before and, you want that to, to keep up, but also you're up 13-0. If somebody does get hurt, you know, Dave Roberts is going to get flamed for it. So, and, you know, they get flamed as an organization for it. So could have went either way. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, it, it just was a, you know, if you're up 13-0 and you only win 14-11, that's going to happen like probably one out of 100 times. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I've i had people tell me that Dave Roberts is at fault for Cody Bellinger being injured because he was still in the game in a – and the nine to one game, even though Bellinger had just had the previous day off. Uh, and so it's like, you know, it's one of those things where you just can't win as a manager. Uh, the only thing that could have helped Dave Roberts there would be for Dennis Santana and Mitch White to pitch better. And that didn't happen. But, you know, that for me, I think I said on the podcast, that's how you manage that game. You say, okay, we're up by 13 runs. Let's get guys off their feet and let's bring in our bad relievers. And then if they can't cut it, you know, then we'll bring in our slightly less bad relievers. And eventually if we have to go to our good relievers, okay, but that's why we have them. And, and that's what happened. But yeah, I, I think trying to draw any conclusions from a fluke, like I don't think it's even one in a hundred. I think it's one in 10,000 kind of game. I I think that's a game that's better just kind of not try to learn anything too important from that because that situation is never going to come up again. What's your second thing, Justin? Thanks, guys. Uh, the second thing was, and I was making a fuss about it while it was happening, but uh, knowing now that Rios has been hurt, it makes me even more frustrated, the fact that poor Matt Beatty sat the whole Chicago series while we had a duct-taped Rios, you know, taking his at-bats. And so I don't know, did we hear, and maybe we'll never know, maybe we'll never hear, but do you guys think it was more something where Rios was just trying to tough it out and play through it? Because if it was, you get that, but then I would think like as a teammate, you might kind of think like, well, gee, that's that's a little selfish, you know, like if you're hurt, speak up, say something. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we touched a little bit on this yesterday. And I just think it's a matter of it didn't hurt him that much and he didn't say anything. And then the the weird thing is it went from he was in the starting lineup to on the 10-day IL real quick. So 
Now, maybe the pain was significant in that last series, and he hadn't said anything to that point. And then after that series, he's like, you know, it's too much for me to handle. Uh, but like I said, I, I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think anyone asked Dave yesterday, and or yeah, by the time from, I don't think anyone's gonna to feel a need to ask that anymore. But it does feel like it was Rios hiding it, and then finally saying, you know what, it hurts too much, or or here's a mention of me hurting it. And then right away they check it and they see, oh, there's a tear in the weight room. Yeah. And for me, it's like, you know, I, I'm not a professional athlete. I'm uh, almost the opposite of a professional athlete. I'm a 43-year-old obese man. Uh, but I've got probably three body parts right now that that probably need surgery. And I'm just living my life doing, you know. And if I went to the doctor and said, hey, let's do an MRI on this particular thing, he'd say, oh, yeah, let's do surgery. And you're out for six months. You know, and, and I, you know, obviously the, the parallels aren't exact because I'm not a professional athlete, but I, I think it's one of those things where Rios thought he could play through it. He knew his shoulder was bothering him, but I don't think the fact that he's out for the season indicates that it was really, really bad. It's just that what was wrong required surgery and that surgery means you're out for the season. And so, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd be... You know, we talked about it, like Vince said uh, today on the podcast, and since we talked last night about it, I've thought even more, and I'd be really surprised if the team was aware of really much of anything. Like, they may have known his shoulder was a little sore or something, but I'd be shocked if they knew that he had any sort of real injury. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the betting action at Bet Online. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the matchup tonight with the Dodgers and Marlins right now. Clayton Kershaw versus Sandy Alcantara. The Dodgers are one and a half run favorites. They are plus one hundred five at minus one and a half. So they're actually you can actually get win some money if you think the Dodgers are going to win by more than one and a half runs. You put a hundred dollar bet, you win. 105 you put a ten dollar bet you win 1050 basically double up your money essentially uh they are at minus 209 straight up so not as much winnings there uh, but you can still pick up a little win right there right now the over under is set at seven uh with over seven at plus 100 so if you think the dodgers are going to put up some runs again again i'd go ahead and bet the over so right now let's just go let's win some big money let's go big let's go dodgers plus the 1.5 or minus the 1.5 let's go dodgers and Marlins over seven. Let's win some money. Go make that bet right now at Bet Online. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, action, sign up bonuses, contest information, whatever you need. Not just MLB, they got all the sports. Uh, but go bet on the Dodgers. Don't sit on the sidelines as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to Bet Online on sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus after your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, we have, oh, this is right up here, Ali, and uh, probably a quick answer, but either way, from Steve Munoz. Uh, Steve with a bunch of E's on Instagram. Will Gavin Lux make the All Star team this year? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, probably not because. Uh, you know, it's already mid-May, and he his overall numbers still don't look good. I do think Gavin Lux is uh, going to have a solid season. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think the 2021 All-Star team is necessarily in the cards for him. Uh, but, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. And if he went in on, on a hot streak for 
three weeks right now. Uh, yeah, he might, but uh, uh, no, I, I, I don't anticipate that. All right, let's let's flip this question a little on its head, just specifically with you and Lux. At what point does uh, he was at sub six hundred OPS the other night? He might still be there even after the home run in the good game yesterday. At what point would a sub six? Let's go six fifty sub six fifty OPS. Would you be like, okay, this is not happening for Gavin Lux this year specifically, and maybe in the future as a whole? Well. Uh... For me, it would take a lot. Well, a because of the Dodgers' injury situation, it's not like there's anybody knocking down the door for those at bats. Uh, but also, Gavin Lux has been very, very good defensively, and uh, and that is meaningful. Uh, he's he's been really good, and to the point where he has a positive WAR right now, despite being yeah, his OPS right now is five eighty six, uh, and so. Between what he brings to the team on defense, what he brings on the bases when he does get on base, and the fact that uh, he's showing signs of of being okay, uh, and then that there's just nobody else to play there really, uh, I, I it would take a lot for me to say okay, let's pull the plug on Lux this year. Oof, that's a, that's pretty strong with sub six fifty going the whole season, but. Uh, it's funny because they kind of talked about this the other day on the broadcast when Joe Davis was kind of explaining stats and and OPS and like league averages and everything. And that's kind of got me thinking about is, you know, Gavin Lux was at that point, obviously we're not that deep into the season. It's a month and month and a couple of days and he was hurt for some of those. Uh, But, you know, just led me to that question of how long would Rodgers roll with someone with the sub 650 OPS before either, making a move or calling someone up and hoping they do better or move shifting everyone else around in order to uh, supplement them. Yeah. And maybe if they did have uh, somebody else knocking on the door, if Michael Bush was a little bit closer to the big leagues, for example, you know, maybe, maybe that's a different question. Or even if Zach McKinster was healthy and they were needing to find a way to get his bat in the lineup. But uh, yeah, for right now, uh, I, I think he's safe. From Mike, 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 Mike Graham, he asks, what does Matt Beatty have to do for the Dodgers to consider him an everyday starter? Um, you know, I, I'm about as big a Matt Beatty fan as there is. I, I've been touting Matt, Matt Beatty. He is a very, very good hitter, um, but Matt Beatty doesn't hit lefties well. He hasn't in the big leagues, and he hasn't in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, the last time Matt Beatty had a good season against left-handed pitching was in high A for Rancho Cucamonga in 2016. And the California League isn't exactly the best barometer for <laughs> offensive performance. And so, you know, unfortunately, Matt Beatty probably shouldn't get many at-bats against left-handed pitching. Uh, I think he could still put up a professional at-bat and maybe work a walk here and there. Um, but I don't think Matt Beatty, I, I think part of the reason that Matt Beatty's numbers look really good right now is because Dave Roberts has put him in position to succeed. Uh, obviously, uh, he's erred too far on the side of not playing Matt Beatty, like in that Chicago series. Uh, but you know, overall, Matt Beatty, the vast majority of his at-bats have come against right-handed pitching, and that's part of why he's been so successful. And so... For me, uh, he he's not going to be an everyday player, and you know, like we talked about on this morning's podcast, I think there are ways to get him 
three starts a week or so between the four different positions he can play. Uh, but all, all of those starts are going to come against right-handed pitching. You know, that, that's probably the right way to put it. Although, you know, him, he'd have to be hitting ridiculously well in order to offset the fact that he's not that great on defense. And, you know, they, they not that AJ Pollock is that much of an upgrade, but that is the other guy that would be competing with him in left field. You know, we talked about how he could potentially see a couple more times at third base. Now with Rios out, I'm not sure, you know, when, how often he takes ground balls there or whatever the case is. So there's different ways, like I said, of getting him in the lineup. Um, until there's a D, you know, even if there's a DH, he might not be an everyday guy, but I guess that would be a better case for him to be an everyday guy where the defense doesn't bother you. He only has focus on hitting. He might be able to hit lefties a little better. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a matter of focus too much too often, but, uh, you know, there's definitely times where I trust him against a lefty over uh, some other people with the, with the right matchups. So, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of what he does the rest of the season. Yeah. Armando in the chat said sitting Beatty after you drove in seven runs was maybe the worst managerial decision Roberts has made. And, you know, I, I get, that sentiment the the flip side is uh you know they where was he going to play it, and, and we i think we talked about this on the show i know i've talked with people on twitter about it and uh you know it would have meant playing him at third base where he hasn't played in a couple years and obviously you know like justin alluded to knowing that rios was hurt it, it makes it even more okay play him over rios then um, because the the other alternative is playing him in left field over Pollock, who also drove in seven games, runs that game. So it's, uh, you know, I, I can understand. For me, uh, that wasn't even the worst Beatty-related decision in that game. Uh, that was setting him up as a decoy pitch hitter and then pulling him back. Uh, so I don't agree that not starting him in that game was the worst decision Roberts has made because it wasn't even the worst decision Roberts made about Beatty that day. Uh, but... Yeah, the, I, I in general, I agree with Armando's point. Uh, Armando asked in the chat, how long do we think it'll be before Bellinger returns? Will he need some AAA at-bats first? According to Dave Roberts, he would need some some rehab games. He'll probably go to the Quakes, I'm assuming, and go, and go play with them. So once he's – let's just say he's ready to – let's just say he's ready tomorrow, 100% ready to go. He probably plays a week in the minors, and he's he's back in a week. Um, realistically, like I said, the, he was running at sixty percent according to Dave Roberts, like a week and a half ago. Week and a half ago, and then he posted him running. It didn't look like I would say more like eighty percent than one hundred percent. So if he's kind of on that timeline, he's probably two weeks away from being one hundred percent, then a week away from actually playing in minor league games. So we're probably around three weeks away from him returning. Uh, which would probably be a best case scenario at this time with just me guesstimating. Uh, but it's one of those, like, like they said, he could wake up tomorrow on the bone is healed and he feels great and he could be ready to go or it could linger and take a lot longer. I mean, we, we, it wasn't of the complete same as Andre Ethier that one year where he was fine and then it ended up being a fractured leg and he was out the whole year. This one's a hairline fractured. It shouldn't take a year to heal, but it's definitely a slow and, and annoying process. And Similar to Zach McKinnon with the oblique, the oblique issue is, you know, in the, in the long term, it's not a big thing. But uh, when you hurt your oblique, you're pretty much out a month regardless. So it's just the, the fact that those two injuries are so, like, annoyingly small, but keeping you out longer than a month is, is kind of where I'm like, ah, that sucks. 
Yeah, and uh, Bellinger is also like nine years younger than Ethier was at that point and uh, a better athlete than Ethier ever was. So hopefully those are points in his favor too. Uh, But yeah, it's... uh, So you got the same amount of gold gloves, right? uh, Yeah, (laughs) not the same amount of deserved gold gloves. But um, yeah, and, and, you know, with how much value Bellinger brings with his legs, you know, on defense, on the bases and everything... It, it makes sense to I, – I expect that when he does come back, he's going to struggle at the plate a little bit for the first week or two in the big leagues, no matter how much, re, uh, you know, rehab starts he gets. And so, you know, I think it makes sense to make sure his leg is totally healthy so he can at least be providing value to the team while he's maybe getting his feet back under him at the plate. Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors that are always on tap, plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. We'll run through real quick. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. My favorite flavor between those is probably salted caramel, peanut butter, brownie. But all the flavors are really good, so go ahead and get one. If you haven't tried all the flavors or you want to try all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of all the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most flavors have or about 15 to 20 grams of protein, usually under 150 calories, usually around 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams net carbs. And they taste great. So why weren't you already ordering your Built Bars? I'm not sure why. Maybe you need to know how. You go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's 15% off at BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15. What's up, man? Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Um, I just had a question about I was watching the, um, the pregame on SportsCenter Lady the other day and they had Canadel on there and... From the way he was talking in the interview, it seemed like he's, he thinks he's going to pitch again this year and, I mean, and be able to be effective. What do you guys think? Is he going to be able to come, be able to come back and be part of the bullpen, or is he kind of wishful thinking? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets back. We don't really know a lot about, you know, at first it was it was his elbow, and then it was his – or his tricep, and then it was his side or whatever. And so, like, we haven't even really gotten – unless I've missed it. I don't know that we've gotten yeah, a whole a lot, lot of clarity – a lot, a lot strain. Yeah, and and maybe it's just that I don't know what that. I I know a lat isn't a generic it's your, thing, it's but your my, back shoulder back muscle. Yeah, it, it's just like a lat strain seems like it could. It seems like there could be about a thousand different severities of of that particular injury, you know. And so, without more information, it's hard to know if that's something where he's going to be out for you know, a month or six months or what, just because, uh, you know, how bad it looked when he walked off the mound. It's like, well, this seems really bad. And then the, when it ended up not being his arm at all, but his back, it's like, okay, well, maybe that's better. But I don't know. Have I missed some news, Vince, the, about like what they expect from him? I know I saw two months, but I don't remember if that was from like a, a source or like, you know, somebody or Robert, you know, I don't know if that was from, a Dodgers person, or if it was just like one of those Twitter doctors uh, mentioning, you know, how long a lat string would take. But I want to say I saw two or three months, or the, at least they talked about it on one of the pregame or postgame shows. So that's kind of what I've been going off of. They, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was a year thing. A lat string, yeah, like I said, it seems like 
similar to an oblique where, you know, the month might be what it takes to heal, but then it might take him another two weeks to ramp up. So then you're, you know, you're close to two months there and it might take longer than a month. So yeah, it's just the fact that you use it so much is different. And I just remembered they did transfer him to the 60 day injured list to make room on the 40 minute roster. So, uh, but, but I mean, even that, you know, that just means 60 days from when he first went down. So there's still plenty of season left after that. So, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't heard any suggestion that he's out for the year. So I, I would expect that they're at least hoping to get him back this year. But uh, but I don't have any idea what the realistic timeline is. And then on the other side of that is Tommy Canley's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He technically could be ready by August, September and could be a guy that factors into a bullpen in the postseason, but I would assume everything's going right. We haven't heard anything about him, but that's just another name. You know, realistically, at the end of the year, the Dodgers could get those two guys back. Yep. All right, Justin, what did you have for us? Oh, I just have a little bit of a, a fun question, or maybe not so fun, depending on, on what the results are for you guys. But, Vince, I was jealous that you were at the, uh, the Lux Homer game the other night, so I'm curious – I know we're, the Dodgers is barely over 500, but what is your uh, in-person record for this season for games? And, and same for you, Jeff, because uh, you guys know I'm 0-1 so far. Yep. <laughs> yeah, after that game, I'm 10-3 and now, which is you know pretty good. Obviously, I saw the Dodgers a lot early when they were good, so that, that kind of helped. Uh, but I have seen two wins in the last – 12 games, which when they've only won like four games in that time span. So yeah, I'm 10 and three on the year. So I'm feeling good. I'll be back Friday and Sunday. So hopefully I add two more wins to that. Yeah. And I am two and one. I've only been to three games. Uh, we know the one loss was your fault, Justin, cause you were there. Uh, and then I was, sorry, is it? Yeah. The opening day in Colorado and then the first two home games against the Nats that they won both of those. And that's the only games I've been to, uh, you know, it, I've, I've thought about coming down a couple more times, but you know, it's just such a hassle having to move to California. So I'm a California resident before I can go to a Dodger game. So, and then moving back to Utah, it's just a hassle. So, you know, as soon as they open things back up, I, I'm, uh, I'm planning on being there. So, and, and hopefully I can bring more wins. Is, is the word on that? Are they thinking June there might be a change? Yeah, so as of right now, the tickets for season ticket holders was through June 2nd, and then they're, that's all they had sold. June 15th is when California is supposed to open up fully. Stan Caston had mentioned that they would like to have full fans uh, at that point, which I don't know how feasible that is. The fact that they're trying out these vaccinated sections, I think we could get pretty close to like maybe 60, 70% in June and then kind of see how it goes from there. See how, how LA County starts tracking and everything else with the vaccinated section. So I think they might start just adding more vaccinated sections in order to get the crowd numbers up. Yeah. And 60 or 70% would be great because then they could uh, accommodate all their season ticket holders, which as you guys know, I have a vested interest in that uh, because right now I've got, four tickets to every other game instead of eight tickets to every game like I'm supposed to have. And so if they can get back to 60 or 70% open up for all their season ticket holders, then I will be able to, you know, I'm already planning on coming down with my sons and some of their friends at the end of June and using my whole row of eight seats, assuming that they've opened it up by then uh, to go to, I think it's 
uh, the Giants, Giants or Cubs, I can't remember, one of those series in June that we're thinking about coming down for. So, uh, yeah, it, it's – I get the impression, like, because I, I think I'll hear – yeah, you know, I'll be one of the first to hear because Emma's season ticket holder and they haven't really said anything. Tomorrow I have a pre-sale for uh single game tickets for uh through June second. Yeah, and, and then they go on the road after June second and they come back like on the eleventh or twelfth. And so which is just a few days before uh before the dictator had declared that the state opens up. And so uh I, I don't know if they're going to be able to, yeah, I, that it's mostly that like four day window in between when the Dodgers come back home and the June 15th that California theoretically opens back up. For me, that's the most interesting part about what they're going to do about those few games, because I assume that they're going to start packing the stadium uh, pretty darn soon after the June 15th date. Yeah, and then California moved into yellow tier recently, which means they could up it to, I forget how much percent. So that they might just have a lot more vaccinated sections that time and then see after June 15th if they're just going to open up fully because apparently the mask mandate in California is going to go away too. So uh, there's going to be a a lot of talks, I'm assuming, on how they want to do it. Uh, For me, if they open it up fully, which I'm not – I like a full stadium, but I also have like social distance seats. Uh, That means if they open up all the standing room only seats, I'd be happy because then I just get there early and find a place to stand and watch the game. Yeah, back there, those uh, those bars back behind the pavilion, uh, nice and shaded and everything, and they don't let you stand there right now because of social distancing stuff. But when those are open up, I could park it with those for a whole game and just stand there. That's a great view, and there's a lot of that stuff throughout the stadium. I, I would be, I, I expect that they're going to be, they're going to have mask mandates at the stadium for games the rest of the year. Uh, but I, I think they'll open it up otherwise. So, from Noah Gardner or. Heard on an episode recently, you guys think the Dodgers need another righty bat off the bench. Some of my friends are saying there's no way they need one when McKenzie and Cody come back since Taylor can be the righty off the bench. In my opinion, we could still use one, but what are your guys' thoughts? Also, is there any argument to bring on Pujols as a righty bat off the bench? Jeff, I'll let start this one. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start with the second bar first. Albert Pujols, I don't think there's any argument for it uh, because I think they're looking for somebody who can hit. And uh, unfortunately, as much as Albert Pujols used to be my favorite player, uh, like I, I'm a big Pujols fan, but uh, at this point in his career, I don't think there's anything he brings to a team that is trying to win the World Series. Uh, but as for the the other part, yeah, I do still think they need a righty bat because, uh, you know, even if Taylor goes back to being a bench player, um, or, uh, you know, he's still going to be getting a lot of starts. Chris Taylor is going to be starting four or five times a week. And so you're still, uh, you know, I, I think they need a little bit more balance, uh, whether it's a righty or somebody who can hit lefties. It doesn't necessarily have to be a righty, but right now it's, you know, mostly what they need is major leaguers on the bench and instead of Luke Rayleigh and Sheldon Noisy and, and whoever else, uh, oh, DJ Peters, you know, and so, uh, that's the main thing is major leaguers that they're looking for. Uh, but ideally, if they can hit left-handed pitching, that would be good too. Yeah, the main the main reason that we probably both think that they need a right-handed bat is obviously because Taylor's still going to get starts. And when they get to the postseason, you know, let's just put a, a doomsday scenario. Gavin Lux isn't hitting, hasn't been hitting. 
and you know maybe doesn't deserve to have his bat in the lineup if Taylor provides just as good as defense as he does, assuming everyone else is hitting. So you know and that specific scenario would be why I need another righty off the bat off the bench because Chris Taylor starting at second, then you have you know lefties off the bench and and noisier Peters at this point. So that's kind of why they I'd say they need one. And then just the other way of you know they've had Kike and Taylor in years past and they weren't necessarily starting in late in the season or in postseason, but they had them ready to go. They had freeze, you know, they had different guys in those positions before. So it, it just balances out a little bit because with Rios out now, and that kind of opens up a spot, like I said, for a major league bat, not just a bat, a major league bat. So realistically, they have to kind of replace Rios still, um, unless, you know, Noisy can figure it out, but it doesn't look like he's going to, and Peters uh, doesn't look like he can fastball above the letters. So I don't think those two guys are the answers right now. Yeah, and, and right now is important in that sentence because uh, I think Sheldon Noisy and DJ Peters, I think Sheldon Noisy might eventually be a, a good, a decent major league bench player. Uh, DJ Peters, I think, would be a fine starting outfielder on a team that isn't trying very hard to win. Um, but uh, but both of them need time in the minor leagues right now. Uh, same with Luke Rayleigh. Luke Rayleigh is basically similar to DJ Peters in my mind that he could be a third or fourth outfielder on a team that, that doesn't have illusions of winning the world series. Uh, but right now, if the Dodgers were healthy, all three of those guys would be in the minor leagues and we wouldn't even be thinking about them. And, and that's kind of the, the downside of losing Jock and Kike, even though I don't think they'd necessarily be playing much better. Uh, but at least, they are major leaguers. So you, when they come up to the bat, you think, well, at least he might do something. And uh, some of these guys coming up off the bench for the Dodgers, there's not even that, that faint hope of he might do something. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to tell your friends and family. Make sure to tweet about us. Make sure to post about us on Instagram. Make sure to tell your coworkers. Make sure to tell any Dodger fans in your life if they need a podcast every weekday, Monday through Friday, that we are here for you 20 to 30 minutes, depending how fast you listen to your podcast. If you're not already listening today, please do that as well. If you want to follow us on social media, we are on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent Perio. We are available via text or voicemail at 323-863-5625 or email LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, can the New York Mets follow in the New York Knicks footsteps? That's the cue of the day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. D, I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.